All right, live from Studio 6B, kicking the week off on a Monday night. Glad you're in. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Emirati's going to have sports. Rick Delgado's off tonight. Gio Friend here holding it down. Gio on the big board. Gee, didn't you say that you were uh, on Friday, you said you were going to the movies, a movie theater for the first time this weekend? Did you do that? I actually did not end up going. Okay. Well, that just ruins my opening, so now what do we do? <laughs> you should have talked to me before the show. Well, that's okay. I like things to be spontaneous, so that's fine. Uh, Paul Nolan, how are you? I'm good. I went to a couple hockey games, as you guys know. It was nice to get out, but the the nuttiness with the mask police everywhere, it's, it's, it's just too goofy to even handle. So what do you have to do to get into an arena now to watch a sporting event? So originally, I think at the PCR test, it had to be within three days of the event. Now they're letting you get a PCR test at last three days. Uh, so if you have two games, like I did back-to-back nights, it was acceptable. Or the rapid test within six hours of walking into the building. And then you have to wear a mask in a building that is it's cavernous. Ten percent occupancy so hold 13 or 14,000 this building there's 1400 people there no concession stands are open wide open they actually they actually socially distanced the cars they every other car had to be parked away from each other which is just absurd I didn't think my carburetor could get it but apparently (laughs) the catalytic converter is highly susceptible and then the, the last thing is when you're in there and you're sitting at your seat and there's no one near you. You have to wear a mask the whole time. When you're already social distance and everybody's negative. Yeah. Absurd. What world are we in? Yeah, what world are we in? A world that doesn't care about their freedom, it seems to me. <clears throat> Nobody More cares. and more. Um, but, you know, like you said, sometimes, sometimes like when you're looking to go on a trip, you're like, I may have to give in here. It's just, it's just I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Rick Amorati's going to have sports, big sports weekend. How are you, pal? Hey, big dig, big sports weekend. Big Masters, I enjoyed watching that. I caught most of the Masters on Saturday and watched just about everything on Sunday. You know, great report on that. We got rodeo, NASCAR, and a great Patriot retired earlier this evening. So the um, the Masters did on, thir- on Friday, Saturday, just what I said they'd have to do for Justin Rose not to hold that four-shot lead and soften up the course. They got a lot of rain through there. Um, and obviously Hideki uh, Matsuyama won, and that's a fantastic win Yeah, uh, for him, for golf. Boy, if Shifley didn't crumble there on that last shot, he could have made it when he put it into the lake, when he put it over. Got a little interesting at the end there. You know, it looked like he was going to walk away with it. Four straight birdies in a row. I'm thinking my pick here is going to come in. I think the same thing. (laughs) Thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. And Tony Fina, I'm sick of, but I'm not, I'm not betting Tony Fina to win any golf tournament ever again in my life. Did you see that one shot it. he I hit though? Make yeah, he one shot. Yeah. yeah, one shot through the bunker. He got lucky. I mean, come on. <laughs> that was a great I mean, he shot. can't make any, oh God, he's just awful. It's just, I'm not betting Tony Fina anymore to win anything. And I, I keep thinking he's going to win a major. He's always got great odds. So you'll make a fortune if he comes in. And he's, uh, you know, he goes out there and Roy McElroy's it for four rounds, basically, and falls in the lake. So it just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I was happy to see uh, Rory, and I posted on Twitter a uh, screenshot of Rory at <laughs> seven over MC, which means miscut, which I just probably took more joy out of than I should have. But I don't know. Just, ever since he popped off against Trump, yeah, ever since. career went straight yeah, down. That's exactly right. So. Well, I hope you had a good weekend, whatever you did. We've got lots to do tonight. I've got some great stuff. We've got three crazy towns tonight. And then I've got um, some stuff from the briefing room. I've got Dr. Fauci just all over the place getting a little defensive 
on MSNBC with with a question that was actually pretty decent. Um, the host of the show, who I don't know, um, he asked a really he asked him a pretty good question. Kind of put him in, not in a corner. I mean, still, but but Fauci got a little defensive. Of course, he made no his answer made absolutely no sense, zero sense. I'll play it for you. Um, what else do I have here? Uh, I have Brian Stetler, who I can't, I really have a hard time believing that anybody on a Saturday has so little to do that they would actually go and turn on reliable sources or Sunday, whenever, whatever it's on. I don't even know because I don't watch it. And most of you who have taste, obviously you don't watch it either. So, but I have a clip from him that you just won't believe. And I just don't know how anybody can stomach an hour of that show. It's just so ugh, unwatchable. It's just unwatchable. So, uh, so lots to do. So I'm going to start where I didn't go last week. And that's because a lot of you wrote over the weekend. I went through all the emails. And I can't tell you how many emails that said, you know, please make sure you go over the AFFH, the Biden suburbs, what they're doing. Um, so that's where I'm going to start. And this is, uh, first of all, this is uh, Stanley Kurtz's article. And Stanley Kurtz, of course, I, it was the original article in National Review probably about a year ago uh, entitled Biden's Plans for the Suburbs. And basically saying, you know, at the time we were hearing how suburban women, oh, they didn't like Trump, they didn't like his tweets, they didn't like this, they didn't like that. And, of course, the point of his article was to say, you know, for those of you who weren't paying attention when Obama started this, and what it really could mean, well, Joe Biden's going to supercharge it, so you might want to pay attention, and you might want to worry about whether you could buy a single-family house more than you should be worrying about mean tweets, maybe, that you don't like every single one of them. So that was the original article, and I read you the article, and we got unbelievable response, emails, direct messages, uh, just links to the article about it. Well, so obviously now Biden's the president. So here's the follow-up from Stanley Kurtz. Biden's infrastructure bill. I got a great crazy town on infrastructure. Uh, what is infrastructure? Because nobody knows anymore. According to, um, according to the Biden administration, everything's infrastructure now. But according to Ron Klain, who's Biden's now chief of staff, used to be his chief of staff when he was vice president, and Ron Klain was in the private sector when Trump wanted to do infrastructure. Well, Ron Klain had a bunch of different thoughts about what infrastructure was when it was Trump who was uh, going to spend on infrastructure. But now, all of a sudden, everything's infrastructure. So um, Biden's infrastructure bill aims to end single-family zoning. Stanley <laughs> Kurtz and National Review, and I'll link this on, of course, on our social media. With the introduction of his massive $2.3 trillion infrastructure, quote-unquote, infrastructure bill, President Biden's campaign to end suburban single-family zoning has begun. If you think this issue was debated and resolved during the 2020 presidential campaign, you are mistaken. It's true that Biden's campaign platform openly and unmistakably pledged to abolish single-family zoning. As soon as President Trump made an issue of that pledge, however, Biden went virtually silent on the issue, and the Democrat-supporting press falsely denied 
that Biden had any designs on single-family zoning at all. Now that he's president, Biden's infrastructure bill openly includes programs designed to eliminate single-family zoning, which Biden calls exclusionary zoning. Boy, wow. How exactly does Biden plan to end single-family zoning, you ask? According to the fact sheet released by the White House, quote, Biden is calling on Congress to enact an innovative new competitive grant program that awards flexible and attractive funding to jurisdictions that take concrete steps to eliminate exclusionary zoning. In other words... Biden wants to use a big pot of federal grant money as bait. If a, con- if a county or municip- uh, municipality agrees to weaken or eliminate single-family zoning, it gets big federal bucks. The wildly overreaching Obama-Biden-era AFFH regulation, which Biden has pledged to revive, works in just this fashion. The difference is that by adding another gigantic pot of federal money to the community development block grants that are the lore of AFFH, Biden makes it that much harder for suburbs to resist applying and that much more punishing to jurisdictions that forego a share of the federal taxes they've already paid uh, so as to protect their right to self-rule. Are federal carrots enough? However, prosperous suburbs may forego the grants in an effort to secure their independence. The success of Biden's initiative depends in part on exactly how much money gets allocated to grants tied to zoning reform. The details of that um, as yet haven't been released, but the $213 billion allocated to Biden's total affordable housing initiative leave room for an awfully big pot for the anti-zoning portion. If there aren't enough carrots, however, how about sticks? During the campaign, Biden backed a draconian plan to withhold federal transportation grants for road repair from suburbs that refused to kill off single-family zoning. That hasn't been proposed by Biden, and the reason is fairly obvious. Democrats don't yet have the votes to pass such a law. The only way they can get around the filibuster is to uh, squeak spending bills through Congress under the rules of reconciliation. So for now, it's just carrots all the way down. If Senate Democrats expand their majority and kill the filibuster in, in 2022, however, out come the sticks and down goes the suburbs. There's more danger in store for America's suburbs in Biden's current proposal, though, more than meets the eye, however. If I were administering Biden's various federal housing programs, I would sucker well-off suburbs into accepting grants on lenient terms. The trick is that once a jurisdiction accepts a HUD grant, it has to sign a statement promising to affirmatively further fair housing, AFFH, Now that Biden is going to revive the old Obama-Biden AFFH rule, that pledge can be used by activist nonprofits of the administration itself to sue localities for failing to meet the outrageously expanded definition of that term set forth in Obama's AFFH. 
it was suits like this that dragged Westchester County, New York. Uh, that was um, Rob uh, Astorino, I believe. He was the person in charge up there in Westchester here in New York. Uh, through years of federal control and torment, just the threat of such suits intimidated Democratic officials in Iowa into surrendering, surrendering their city's self-rule to the Obama administration. Here's the bottom line, says Mr. Kurtz. Biden's campaign to abolish suburban single-family zoning has well and truly begun, as during the Obama era, it will likely escalate in uh, intensity with each passing year. At this point, any jurisdiction in the country that wants to keep control of its zoning and development should decline to apply for federal housing grants. No matter how good the money looks... Sign that promise to affirmatively further fair housing as the Biden administration will define it, and you are signing away your birthright. More from Mr. Kurtz when we get back. How insane. America's Voice presents War Room with Steve Bannon. Yeah, I want to talk about the mentality. This is the reason we're in the situation that we're in. The reason we're in the situation we're in is because of the compromise, the money of the Chinese Communist Party flowing through our capital markets, flowing through our cultural institutions, flowing through our corporations, and eventually buying political coverage in the Uniparty here in Washington, D.C. Don't miss War Room every weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Live from Studio 6B, 17 past the hour on a Monday. Just getting the week started. Glad you're in. So uh, we've been reading from Stanley Kurtz's article on AFFH. Biden's attack on the suburbs. Really continuation from the Obama administration that started it. Cory Booker jumped into it as well. Uh, So back to Mr. Kurtz's article. He says, there's a pattern here. Biden and the Democrats are working overtime to undermine the federalist system in which zoning and education are local concerns. In each case, housing and education, the plan is the same. Use federal grants to hook states and localities into conditions that will effectively override their authority, kill suburban zoning, and force leftist action civics and critical race theory on red state schools, siphon off taxes, and return the money to taxpayers with conditions that effectively got the foundational layer of our federalist system, the layer closest to the people. If Republicans have any good sense uh, to make an issue of Biden's attack on single-family zoning, it will split the Democrats down the middle. The media will keep trying to cover for Biden, but once the administration begins enforcing AFFH, The reality of this policy will emerge. College-educated suburban Democrats won't like it. Republicans are split on the issue as well. However, although the split is more politicians from the base than a split within the base, under Obama, 
House Republicans overwhelmingly voted to defund AFFH, but Senate Republicans divided. This time, the GOP ought to get smart and expose Biden's infrastructure bill, quote unquote, as the anti-suburban zoning bill that it really is, in fact. That would change the infrastructure narrative from a Christmas tree studded with goodies to a hammer to smash your way of life. Naturally, this will all be called code for racial discrimination. But Democrats now lay that charge on pretty much every measure favored by Republicans. Curiously, uh, earlier this week, the New York Times featured a story on opposition to an affordable housing initiative that would rezone New York City's Soho neighborhood. Residents there worry that the rezoning proposal will bring more massive high-rises, tourists, and traffic into a neighborhood that's famous now for low-rise 19th century architecture, narrow cobblestone streets. Many say the rezoning proposal is more about pleasing developers than actual affordable housing. It's unlikely that many or any of these residents voted for Donald Trump in 2020. And the Times story prominently features an opponent of the rezoning initiative who is an African-American, nor is that an outlier case. Last summer, when California floated a measure to kill single-family zoning, there was a powerful opposition from residents who objected to a law that would make their neighborhoods denser, noisier, and more filled with traffic. Predominantly minority residents in South LA saw the bill as an affront to how hard black Americans fought to join single family neighborhoods, battling redlining, racist covenants, and even targeted violence. And they worried that suddenly relaxing zoning rules would not only ruin the low density they enjoyed, but also unleash an investment flood that would accelerate displacement of the black community as developers scooped up old homes and built new ones unaffordable to most in the community. The zoning issue is a tough and complex issue. It balances principled libertarian objections to zoning and the interests of developers on the one hand against core principles of federalism and local control on the other. Massive spending and taxation are fundamental to the federal effort to override local zoning laws. Neighborhood preservation uh, vies with creative destruction. There are plenty of complex, conflicting, and legitimate considerations in the balance. But reducing the zoning issue to bogus charges of racism is the way that Democrats play the game nowadays. If Republicans find the courage to stand up to the usual nonsense and oppose this big government attempt to kill off the federalist system itself, they will find not only the vast majority of Republicans, but a great many independents and Democrats also in their corner. So that from Mr. Kurtz. I can't believe, well, we talked about this when Cory Booker was introducing this bill, and we had talked about how scary this really is. And anybody who's voting for Biden, who thinks that they're woke and they know what's going on, how dangerous this man was in the White House. This is all part of everybody's got to be equal. This is all part of the 1984 dystopian, get your gray jumpsuit and get in line and be, you know, get your UBI and just keep your mouth shut. That's it. 
Yeah. Well, that that that's how they frame the issue, right? They always frame it that you know it's it's all about everybody deserves equality and a fair shot and all that. But you know, more more appropriately, it should be framed that those of you, those of us who wanted that, who started from nothing. Well, first of all, you go get a job, right? And if you don't like your job and you're not getting paid enough, you go get another job. And if you don't like working for someone else, then you go start your own job or your own business. It's called upward mobility. And everybody has it in this country to some extent. But they don't frame it that way. You know, people, the most interesting part of the, about that article was the, when, the California part. For those because it's always about race. But if you ask, and I think I talked to Walter Williams about this too. If you ask the African-American community, those who live in the suburbs, they grossly oppose this issue. Because everybody who lives in the suburbs, if that's your dream, as everyone always says, right? A little white house with a white picket fence, that's the dream, to live in the suburbs. Well, you know how hard it is to achieve that dream. Whether you're a teacher or two married teachers, like my sister and her husband are, and how hard it is, or my wife and I, when we started, the small little house we could afford in the suburbs, everybody knows how hard it is to get there. That's, that's for a lot of people, that's the, living the American dream, having your own house, having a single family zoning house. So, but the way they frame these arguments... As Mr. Kurtz says, uh, Mr. Stanley Kurtz said, it's just, it's just so backwards to really what most people think. Um, really not, and it's way more than most people. It's the overwhelming majority of people think this way. I mean, it's a, it's got to be the rarest. Um, it's got to. It can't be more than ten percent of the public who believe that that's how we should all be living. That this social engineering is the way to achieve some of this, this moving people from the city out to the suburbs. And again, once it starts, it just never ends. And this is how you ruin the suburbs. But this is something. That, I mean, this is as he said in the article. This is in full swing now. We warned about this going into the election. And here it is. Here it is now taking root in real life. And I, I referenced this article too over an AOL, believe it or not. Biden seeks to ease housing shortage with a $5 billion carrot. As Mr. Kurtz uh, referenced, carrots and sticks here. Right now it's all carrots. Um, but this five do- $5 billion plan could inject the White House into a debate pitting older homeowners against younger workers seeking to gain a foothold in the most expensive U.S. cities where many families spend a third or more of their income on housing. So we'll spend a little time on this to put a bow on this, but this is, um, this is here and now. All right, live from Studio 6B, we'll do some news with Paul. We'll do some sports with Rick. We'll do some crazy towns. Lots to do when we get back right after this.
Real America's Voice presents Just the News AM with Sophie Mann. Biden also introduced a number of other regulations that will affect gun owners across the country, but emphasized that he does not see his actions as a threat to the Second Amendment. Were the case, if what he said was true, he wouldn't need to be doing executive orders. He wouldn't need to be forcing this down the American public's throat. Don't miss Just the News AM every weekday at 9 a.m. Eastern. Live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Glad you're in the start to week. Great week this week. John Solomon's going to join us, I believe, on Wednesday. We're still trying to work out those details. Uh, I believe he'll join us on Wednesday. I believe on Thursday, uh, we will be doing 8 to 9 only on social media, and then we will join 9 to 10, as John Solomon's going to do a one-hour special, I believe. On Thursday night. So if you're watch, if you want to see live from Studio 6B, watch John Solomon between 8 and 9 and then join us from 9 to 10. 8 to 9 will be on social media only. That'll be on Thursday night. Working on some good guests as well. Harry uh, might be here Friday to take your calls. So busy week. Uh, so glad you're in as always. Glad you're here. 8 to 10. Make sure you follow us on social media at LFS6B on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Parlor, Rumble. LFS6B show on Instagram, although I don't take many pictures, so Instagram's a little boring, but I need to take more. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's do, uh, let's do some news here with Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? So I don't know if you guys saw the story about the high school track coach scorched earth after masks were forced on his competing athletes. This yeah. is in uh, Western Journal. In a pandering display of wokeness from yet another school attempting to get on culture's good side, New Hampshire track and field coach Bradley Keyes was fired after he had his fill of leftist nonsensical policies. Keyes told uh, that he was informed that the athletes attending Pembroke Academy in New Hampshire would be required to wear face masks during most of the events in all races throughout the upcoming spring season. Uh, he posted, uh, he, the outlet reported that on April 3rd blog post, he, the coach encouraged his reader to, readers to reach out to the school and combat senseless, irrational, cowardice, BS, but fully written out, uh, that threatened his student-athletes. Uh, he shared the email in a blog post that reportedly was sent to the school's athletic director, Fred Vesna, writing, I'll come straight to the point. I will not put kids on the track and tell them to run any, any races while wearing masks. I will not stand up in front of kids and lie to them and tell them that these masks will do anything worthwhile in an out, uh, out in an open field with wind blowing and sun shining, the four-year coach added in the, in the mail. Um, it, it gets you really tired, especially when it gets gets up to 80 degrees. And soon it's going to be really hard for us to keep uh, doing what we're doing, one track team member said. And uh, he was at a loss to understand why these kids were forced to wear masks. So he got fired for having a brain. Yeah, that's exactly right. Ridiculous. And there's not many like this guy left who are, who are willing to, to stand up to uh, this kind of just insanity. And it's happening at almost every, well, certainly in blue states like New York. I mean, it's just, it's happening everywhere. Um, but it's, it's happening a lot of places that you wouldn't think it would happen to. These kids outdoors. 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 Kids. We've done data on the survival rate of children. Yeah. Athletes. Most, most track kids are in pretty good shape, would you say? Yeah. Good lung capacity. Low body fat, would you say? 
kids who don't even know they... I said this before. If you were able to test all of the middle school through high school through even up to 21-year-old kids, college kids, for antibodies of the... I guarantee you the number of kids who had it and never even knew it is astronomical. Astronomical. Completely bizarre. Completely bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. So I don't know if you saw this in in, uh, Just the News. Conservative clergy of color corrects lies. Biden Abrams telling about Georgia's new election law. The conservative clergy of color, a group of black pastors, priests and ministers, is running a full page ad in the Atlanta Constitution Journal newspaper saying it's correcting the lies President Biden and the Democratic Party uh, with Stacey Abrams has told about the state's new voting law. It says he was quoted as saying there's nothing racist about Election Integrity Act, and it's certainly not Jim Crow 2.0. Your lies are now devastating minority uh, small businesses in Atlanta following the MLB's decision to move the All-Star game to Denver, resulting in a loss of $100 million in business. Enough is enough. And uh, Georgia Republican lawmakers who drafted and passed the enacted law, which includes voters needing ID, which is stunning to me that we don't need ID for this unto itself, for an absentee ballot, attempts to secure the state's voting system. And, you know, so uh, it's nice to see people standing up again a little bit. We just need more and more pushback to the wokeness. Yeah, so getting back to Paul's first uh, article on the mask and that coach from New Hampshire who, again, there's not many of those kind of people around right now who are willing to push back and say no like this guy was. You've heard a couple of these stories recently. I I showed you the video of uh, the pastor up in, I believe it was Montreal, I believe that pastor was, Paul Vosky. Yeah, he was great. Has he faced any backlash since then that you know of? I have not seen any follow-up on that story. I don't know. I do know there's some crazy things going on in Canada at some churches that they they, 210 armed police officers showed up. But I saw some video quickly. I didn't really get the whole gist of the story, but it was some craziness in Canada going. You would think it would be like in China. You, You would think you were looking at something out of Mao's China, but no, it was actually in Canada. 210 armed officers showed up at some church after I think the parishioners had torn down a piece of fencing um, to get into to, to celebrate mass or something. I don't, I, I don't know if I have that exactly right, but it was some, some craziness. Uh, but to follow up on the whole masking and where we are right now, there was a great question asked today, and I don't know where she's from. I believe her last name is Newsy. Uh, Nuzzy, N-U-Z-Z-I. Um, and I think she's from a left-wing political, uh, left-wing, um, you know, magazine, New York magazine or something like that. Uh, I probably should know, but I don't. But she asked a great question of Jen Psaki today. Basically, well, I'll let you hear her question. I thought this was a great question that Jen Psaki obviously had zero answers for because it just made too much sense. Roll it, G. On Brittany's question about vaccines, uh, do you think that the White House has had any part in this in having a sort of maybe pessimistic message towards some Americans who are skeptical of this administration, who for partisan reasons or otherwise, to see vaccinated people in the cabinet or the president continuing to wear masks around each other or hearing that things won't be back to normal as the vaccine continues to be distributed? Do you think that that is having a negative effect at all? 
On people, make sure I understand your question. On people not taking the vaccine? Yeah, of people who are skeptical of the vaccine and uh, who don't trust the Biden administration. Well, look, I think, one, we recognize we're not always the best messengers. That's why we're working with these local organizations and groups, because we certainly know that President Biden and Vice President Harris may not be the right voices in a range of communities across the country. Two, we believe that part of our objective is to uh, model public health guidelines. And that means continuing to wear masks, continuing to hand wash, social distance, uh, because there is still ongoing research on what is most effective and how to prevent distribution and it, uh, the, va the, I'm sorry, the pandemic traveling further. So I'm not sure I'm understanding your question. question maybe. How, do you, um, how do you strike that balance between being a model of the public health guidelines and also not contributing to this sense of hopelessness, perhaps, among people who are skeptical of the vaccine and maybe feel like getting it would not make a difference in their lives anyway? Sure. Yeah, I think a big part of what we're trying to do is provide accurate information about what getting a vaccine will enable the American people to do. Hence, the president gave a primetime address where he said, "If when you get the vac, if you when the vaccine's accessible to you and you get it, we can work towards having backyard barbecues." Uh, he, we've also had a number of Psycho. officials out there to convey, and we've had obviously the CDC has put out guidance that says if you're vaccinated, if your neighbors are vaccinated, you can have dinner inside together. It's a pandemic. Oh. We don't think it's Lord. easy. We know it's difficult. It's required a lot of sacrifice. But at the same time, we're trying to provide accurate public health-based guidance on what people can do once they have uh, taken the vaccine. Okay. Got it? <laughs> yeah, all straight after that answer? Let me, let me ask her question in a more simple way. Her question is, why would anybody want, want to rush to get a vaccine when if you get it, nothing changes? Nothing changes. You can't go anywhere without a mask. You can't. Uh, now she says, "Oh, you can. Uh, you can have dinner." Well, that and she she might want to call the great one, Doctor Fauci, because that's not what he said this weekend. The Stormy Daniels of medicine was out and about in front of the cameras, <laughs> and he has a he has a different view of that. So they're not they're not even on the same page with that. But I thought that's a great question. If they're so good, if the vaccine is so important, if the vaccines are that effective, which it seems like from all the studying, especially out of Israel, they have been effective. 700 million people now worldwide have either gotten their first or complete, completed whatever doses they've gotten. Israel probably has the best information coming out of it. And some of the studies out of there totally go against what she just said. As far as... All of the data so far shows that once you're vaccinated, there's almost 0% chance that you are spreading the virus. You have such little, little active virus, even if you were to come in contact with it again, that all of the data shows there's almost 0% chance that you spread it. She sits in there today and says, well, we're just, you know, they're still looking at how much you could still spread. No, that's not true. That's not what the data said. Follow the science or not. Which one are we doing? Still, we ask this question. <laughs> Still, we ask this question. Follow the <laughs> well, science. We're going to follow the science that fits their narrative. There's no science that per se. There's their version of science, and they just, whatever fits their bill that week. Come but on. Her, the, the question is, in some ways, so simple, but yet so right on the money. Why would someone rush to take any one of these, even if you're all for taking it? 
If you're over 55 and you say, I'm not taking any chances. As soon as I can get it, I'm going to take one of them. I'm going to, they've all for the most part been safe or whatever. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take one. Even if you're, that's what your feeling is. Why, if you're under that, if you're under 50, if you're, if you're in that, if you're in the, the crowd where if you got it like me, you're going to have most likely a week's worth of not feeling your best. You may lose your taste and smell for a little bit. You're going to run a fever for 24 hours. And pretty much that's going to be it. Why would you run out and get vaccinated if that doesn't help you go back to living your life? Why are you going to have to, if you're going to wear a mask 24-7 and their masks are so good at preventing spread and preventing uh, molecule, if, you, if, if the mask works so well, we all have to wear them all the time. Well, which one is it? Which one is it? I don't need to rush to get the vaccine because I'm wearing a mask all the time. And if I get the vaccine that's so effective, why do I need to wear a mask all the time? Which one is it? It's not, it doesn't matter because it's never going to end. That's the bottom line. As long as they keep you scared, it never ends. Variance, effectiveness, whatever the next thing's going to be. We don't have a handle, herd immunity. We don't know what the number for herd immunity is. Now we think it's 90%. No, maybe 80%. We don't know. Just stay scared and uh, stay under our control and everything will work out just fine. I mean, that's what it's at. Presents Primetime with Dr. Gina. How do you feel about those health passports enforced vaccinations? So I think the vaccine, they're great. They're really great. And so I recommend taking it. At the same time, we have our freedoms. So I don't demand that people take them. I don't demand it. Uh, I think people should take them. Uh, I've taken it. Don't miss Primetime every weekday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Live from Studio 6B. I like this one, friend. Uh, 13 to the hour. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Paul Nolan's here tonight with news. Rick Delgado's off. Geo Fran, of course, holding it down as they always do. Rick Emirati's here with sports. You can find him on social media, on Twitter, at Slick Rick Sports. Is that the only social media that you have that... Um, do you have any other at Slick Rick Sports or just Twitter? Just Twitter right now. Okay. I, I think I got to start a Facebook page. They'll get that going. Okay, yeah, that's that would be good. Now, Rick, uh, <laughs> yeah. Rick noticed how much incoming I take from Rick um, Rick's fans over the weekend. I just <laughs> I take constant incoming from from Rick Emirati uh, fan club, which is fine. I'm willing to do it, but I mean. I think people sometimes forget that we're doing a television show here, Rick. Don't you, you agree? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I listen. You know, I love you. you you're the, one of the best people I know. But uh, you're rough on the show on me. But you know, it's like skipping. Uh, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, the, right? I mean, exactly. Skipping Shannon. You know, they go back and forth. They love each other. But right. you know, you ever watch Fox? I mean, they're great. 
So you know, exactly it's, right. <laughs> All right, so let's do some on. sports here, and I'm just going to shut up. So I don't. That means people don't have to oh, get mad at me. God, but, <laughs> you better jump in on this, Big D, because we touched on it earlier on. But let's go back. I just want to recap. The, this is a big weekend for the Masters. Uh, Augusta National Golf Club, beautiful Augusta, Georgia. Windy, a little bit of rain there overnight, but uh, it was a lot of action. Good stuff. Uh, so Hideki Matsuyama becomes first Japanese golfer in Masters green jacket. This is an AP report from Augusta, Georgia. Hideki Matsuyama delivered Golf Mad Japan, the grandest and greenest prize of all. Matsuyama closed with a 1-over 73 and a one-shot victory that was only close at the end and never seriously in doubt after Zander Shafale late charge ended with a triple bogey on the par 316. Uh, moments before Dustin Johnson helped him into the green jacket, Matsuyama needed no interpreter in, in Butler Cabin when he said in English, I'm real happy. In fact, I saw a picture tweeted of him in the airport in Atlanta, 6.30 this morning, getting on a plane. Somebody snapped a shot, posted on Twitter. He had his green jacket draped over the airport seat, and he was sitting there with his bag, and he was just tweeting. It's amazing. All by himself. Pretty cool. And uh, so masterful was the performance that Matsuyama stretched his lead to six shots on the back nine until a few moments of drama. With a four-shot lead, he went for the green in two on the par five, uh, 15th, and it bounded hard off the back slope and into the pond, the old pond, on the 16th hole. Matsuyama did well to walk away with bogey and with shuffle. Uh, making a fourth straight birdie. The lead was down to two shots with three to play. The next swing all but ended it. Shoffley's uh, tee shot on the par three, 16th, bounced off the hill, left to the green, and dribbled also into the pond. Oh, that was- I mean, that's so inexcusable <laughs> in that spot. Yep. It is so inexcusable. He had him on the ropes. Sunday, tee play- Sunday pin placement at the Masters on 16 is of course, all the Sunday placements are always the same place, but everybody knows that pin placement. You leave it to the right. You use the slope. Uh, to miss it that poorly is inexcusable. It's inexcusable. He, he, these are the best players in the world. He could not have picked that spot to land the ball to try to, to, try to pin high or left of the pin. It's impossible. You have to hit it 20 feet up right on the bank, let the ball trickle down, or let it stay up there and you downhill putt it. But you can't be left of the pin on 16 on Sunday at Augusta. That's a terrible shot. Awful. And let's not forget Will Zalatoris, the 24-year-old Masters rookie who holed an 18-foot par putt on the last hole for a 70, and he was actually the runner-up. He quietly just stayed in there the whole game. I like that guy. He's a nice, smooth golfer. Very good player. So Matsuyama finished at 10 under, 278 for his 15th victory worldwide and his sixth on the PGA Tour. Congratulations. He is a really good sport, and I think that's great for Japan uh, that they got a champion oh, now huge. in the Masters. He, he will be. Awesome. He will have rock star status. As the game of golf has exploded in Japan over the years due to the PGA's efforts to do that, yeah, he will be a rock star of monstrous proportion. And the women's amateur championship was won by uh, Subami Kachiani. She she won as well. So a uh, big weekend for Japan in the, down in the Masters. Uh, baseball action. I know we all love baseball. Uh, Braves two to one over the Marlins in the third. Cubs three nothing over the Brewers. Uh, actually nothing nothing. Excuse me. In the third, Cubs and Brewers. Uh, Nationals one nothing over the Cardinals in the third. Indians lead the White Sox two nothing in the second. Tigers Astros tied zero zero in the second. Angels Royals also zero zero in the second. Uh, Padres and Pirates tied at one in the sixth. Yankees over the Blue Jays, one nothing in the fifth. Mariners, Orioles are delayed right now. Rain delay and Rangers over and the Rays are tied 0-0. 
NHL action. Just a few games going on right now. Maple Leafs and Canadians tied at two after two. Blue Jackets lead the Blackhawks two to one in the second. Jets and Senators also tied at two in the second. Red Wings nothing, and the Hurricanes nothing, nothing in the second period. NBA action at the Garden. Marquee matchup here. Knicks and Lakers. Knicks up 55-52 at the half. Julius Randle leads all scorers. With 19, uh, of course, the Lakers are still without LeBron and, uh, and and Anthony Davis. So they're they're missing a few good players. But, uh, hey, go Knicks. 76ers lead the Mavs, 56-44 in the second. Joel Embiid leads all scorers also with 19. Uh, Spurs over the Magic right now, 36-21. That's in the second. I'll have a report on the later games later. We touched on this a little before, too. Minnesota sports teams postpone games in light of Dante Wright shooting. This is from Daniel Canova of Fox News. The Minnesota Twins, Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Minnesota Wild announced they postponed their Monday games following the officer-involved shooting of 24-year-old Dante Wright in Brooklyn Center, a suburb of Minneapolis. The Twins first announced the postponement of their game against the Red Sox. Out of respect for the tragic events that occurred yesterday in Brooklyn Center and the following the additional details involving the situation, the Minnesota Twins have decided it's in the best interest of fans, staff, players, and community to not play in today's game. Shortly after the Athletic reported that the Timberwolves and, uh, will uh, postpone their game against the Brooklyn Nets and the Wild are not going to play their game against the St. Louis Blues. So, busy night in Minneapolis for sports tonight, but uh, not happening. I, probably not a bad move, just just as a precaution. You don't need another place for people to congregate. Cause problems. So let's go on to a happier note. Let's talk about rodeo. We love the rodeo. I think there's a curfew in place tonight there. I think 7 p.m. they're going to try and curfew, and the National Guard's been brought in. Right, so that also supports the, the post-cancellation. Wait a minute, the National Guard's been brought in, doesn't yeah, little, that make... a little quicker than last time. Yeah, yeah doesn't well, that make was... him a racist? Was that the narrative? Never mind. <laughs> All right, let's go to the rodeo. Ram National Circuit Finals. This was uh, over the weekend in Kissimmee, Florida at the Silver Spurs Arena. Bareback, Richard Champion, Risky Mistress, 87. He's $6,100 <laughs> for the winner. Saddlebrock was Jake Finlay on Sunglow with an 88. Bull Riding, Parker Breading on, uh, you guessed it, Cocktail Diarrhea, 86 and a half. Boy, he keeps running in. Uh, steer Wrestling, oh, Scott Gunther, 3.6 seconds. Hey, that's a good <laughs> score, 3.6. Team roping, Andrew Ward and Buddy Hawkins, 6.3 seconds. Tie down, Hunter Heron, 7.6 seconds. He only got five grand for that win. I don't know why, everybody got six grand. The tie down guy only gets five, I guess, because he makes quick work of things. And last but not least, Barrel Racing, good old Shelly Morgan, 14.82, also a good score. And she picked up 6,100. 60, and I'll have the other rodeo in South Dakota that'll be later on this evening. And uh, just one more quick one uh, Britt Reed charged with Dewey in a car crash that critically injured the five year old girl. This is from Cassandra Negley and Henry Bushnell of Fox News. Uh, former Kansas City Chiefs assistant Britt Reed has been charged with driving while intoxicated for his involvement in the February 4th crash that left a five-year-old girl hospitalized with brain injuries. Um, this is uh, Britt Reed, Andy Reed, Kansas City Chief head coach's son. He's no longer with the team. Uh, and now, obviously, he's facing an uphill battle. Could serve one to seven years if convicted. So it's not a life term, but uh, he's going to have some time to think about uh, having those drinks before he had that accident. So very unfortunate. That's we only- DUIs. The only ch- there's no other charge. Uh, just DWI, yeah, uh, driving while intoxicated. Um, yep, that's it, Big D. That's that was the charge, one to seven years. Okay. On a hunt. Is it like aggravated DUI or something? I mean, didn't he kill somebody? Uh, no, he didn't kill anybody. The girl's got brain injury. Oh, I thought one died though in the other. Uh, no, 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 not not in that accident. Nobody died. All right, live from Studio Six B, Hour Two coming up. Social media, stay with us. 
right, hour two, live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Paul's here with the news. Rick Amorati's going to have more sports. Gio Fran here. Glad you're in, starting a week off. Going to be a good week, busy week. So we talked in hour one about AFFH, and we talked a little bit. I played you the um, question to Jen Psaki about, well, you can't, you know, which one is it here? You want to have your cake and eat it too, obviously. We all know that. But um, are you giving the wrong message by telling people, oh, get vaccinated, and people are getting vaccinated, and, and especially like the president and people in the White House have gotten vaccinated, and all you guys are doing is masking, double masking. Like As Rand Paul said to Dr. Fauci, it all seems like it's all political theater. Like if they're so, if the vaccines are worth getting, then why, I mean, why, why are you all double masked up and masking and all this? I thought the vaccine was the, what got us back to normal life. And so, if the masks are so good, what am I, why are you all rushing me to get a vaccine if I'm in, in, in the under 40 or even under 50 crowd that basically has the slimmest obviously there can be outliers where somebody has an adverse effect and something happens there have been some cases like that or certain you know you lose your taste and it never comes back or you have some kind of you know things happen i mean there's certainly been cases where that happens so if you're very very nervous and you don't want to take any chances of getting it and having your natural reaction your body take care of it but which one is it here? You can't have it both ways. And then Jen Psaki says, oh, well, we're still trying to read the data. They're still trying to figure out how effective, uh, whether you could still spread it. And But we know if you get, she says, if you get vaccinated, well, at least you can go out to dinner. Really? Okay. As long as you're with another couple who's vaccinated. Well, okay. <laughs> let's even take that premise. Even if you're with a table of 12 that's all vaccinated. Let's go cut three, G. Let's ask the great one. Dr. Fouch, roll it. Eating and drinking indoors in restaurants and bars, is that okay now? No, it's still not okay for the simple reason that the level of infection, the dynamics of infection in the community are still really disturbingly high. Like just yesterday, there were close to 80,000 new infections, and we've been hanging around 60, 70, 75,000. So if you're not vaccinated, please get vaccinated as soon as vaccine becomes available to you. And if you are vaccinated, please remember that you still have to be careful and not get involved in crowded situations, particularly like indoors in where people are not wearing masks. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that's the point of her question. What the hell kind of messaging is that? Get vaccinated as soon as it's possible. After you get vaccinated, make sure you wear your mask. Don't go anywhere. Don't see anyone. Don't come within six. <sighs> Which one is it? Which one is it? Either the vaccines work great and we get back to normal life or the masks work great and it's protecting us so I'll get it whenever I want to get it. Or if I don't want to get it, I'll just wear a mask my whole... I mean, which one is it? So here's the follow-up question and I'm going to give credit where credit's due. This is a good question. And he kind of puts them on the spot a little bit. And he, of course, he, you know, after he answers, he doesn't, doesn't push back at all. But at least he asks the question and puts him on the spot. This is cut four, G. Roll that. 
Let me ask you this one other question about the past, because you said we need to move forward. I agree with you. And one of the problems we have now is we have a lot of people, bad faith people saying we don't trust Anthony Fauci. We don't trust Joe Biden. We don't trust uh, the scientists. But there are others who, in good faith, just genuinely over the last year, and I think you've recognized this in the past about the mixed messaging uh, and some of the, you know, some of the different advice they've gotten on this very thorny disease. I want to play a clip of you speaking to 60 Minutes just over a year ago. Have a listen. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China and South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Given you acknowledged in that clip in March 2020 that Asian countries were masking up at the time, saying we shouldn't mask up as well was a mistake, wasn't it? A huge mistake at the time, not just in hindsight. No, I, you know, I keep seeing that clip getting played over and over again. So if you could give me 15 seconds, I'll go right back at you with this. Okay. At the time, three things were going on. We were told very clearly at the coronavirus task force, including by the Surgeon General, who's a good person all the way, that there was a clear shortage of masks. And if we went around recommending oh, masks, the healthcare providers who were putting themselves yes. in harm's way every single day would not have enough. Point number one. Point number two, there was no evidence at the time that masks outside of the setting of now the just, hospital- just, Can we just stop it for one second just to deal with that first part? So full of it. Do you remember how much grief Trump took when we found out that supposedly he knew that this was maybe a little more serious than the flu? He didn't want to panic the American people, as he said. Do you remember how much grief he took? Yep. Now, here's Dr. Fauci basically saying, well, I didn't want to come out and tell everybody to start wearing masks 24-7, even though I knew at the time we probably should have because there may have been a shortage for medical professionals if I did. How are, the two, how are those two things different? He's keeping information from what he maybe he truly felt at the time was right because of some outside factor. The same thing that they went after the former president for weeks about. They just they they told him he was they told us he was trying to kill people by basically keeping from the American public that he didn't want panic to set in on what this could be as they were trying. This was something we had never seen before. This is something much more ubiquitous than let's say H1N1 was. Much more highly contagious. So the former president didn't want to come out and have worldwide panic across. I mean, it was, it was panic enough. If you remember trying to buy uh, paper towels, uh, toilet paper, certain things, even with what we did know. But how is that different? How is what he just said any different? Well, we were told, if we came out and told you, there would be a run on, and we didn't want to have a shortage. How is that different? Is that not withholding information? It's exactly what it is. But what the difference is, clearly, is one, the media and the corporate entities that have uh, backed Team Fauci and Team, you know, corporate America. And then there's one anti-Trump narrative that constantly attack the you know the fly in their uh, gravy train ointment gee go back to the beginning of his answer if you can just a little bit back and then let's hear it again roll that when you have it 
We'll just back from where Al Fauci starts to answer, if you can. Just to hear the whole answer again, since I talked over it. No, I, you know, I keep seeing that clip getting played over and over again. So if you could give me 15 seconds, I'll go right back at you with this. Okay. At the time, three things were going on. We were told very clearly at the coronavirus task force, including by the Surgeon General, who's a good person all the way, that there was a clear shortage of masks. And if we went around recommending masks, the healthcare providers who were putting themselves yes. in harm's way every single day would not have enough. Point number one. Point number two, there was no evidence at the time that masks outside of the setting of the hospital worked. There were no data to show that. Number three, we did not know that at least 50% of the infections were being spread asymptomatically, namely by people that had no symptoms. That's the reason why at that time, we, I and others made that statement. Fast forward a month or two after, A, it became clear yeah. there was no shortage of masks. In fact, cloth mask works. B, we started to see rather substantial data that masks outside of the setting of the hospital work to prevent infection and to prevent you from infecting somebody else. And three, we found out to our horror that 50% or more of the infections were transmitted yes. by people who did not know they were infected. Yes. That's the reason okay. why I changed. So, wait, let me just finish, because you showed the clip. First of all, if Ooh. something is static and you change your mind about it, you're flip-flopping. If something changes, the data change, and you change with the data and rely on the data, you're not flip-flopping, okay? Well, I'm no epidemiologist, clearly, and I'm no doctor. And I'm the, but I, no. I, 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 <laughs> I will take Phil Kirpin and Daniel Horowitz and many others over his word. And I, I would disagree with both of his characterizations. No, on his second point, I don't believe there's that much data now that shows that masks do anything. As there was back then, as there wasn't then either, as he just said. There was no data that masks were effective. He didn't say now there is. I didn't hear him say that. I don't, I don't take that there is any still, for the most part. And I also take issue with his asymptomatic spread because Horowitz has done, read multiple studies on this that says there has been very little asymptomatic spread unless you are actively showing symptoms. I believe there has been very little asymptomatic spread. And I believe more of the studies have shown that. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Phil Kirpin's word, and I'm going to take Daniel Horowitz's word more than I'm going to take his word. And I would disagree with all three of those points he brought up. All three of them. So you wonder why she gets asked questions and they're not, they're, not even on, they're not even in the same universe on the answers. Because the goal... Gee, are you trying to talk to me? The goalposts keep moving. And they can't even get together on, on where they are. She says, oh yeah, if you're vaccinated, go eat. He says, no, you can't go. You can't be inside. And the bottom line is what I went back to before. It's just never going to end. 15 days to slow the spread. 
vaccines, got to get vaccinated. Now, even get vaccinated doesn't change anything. Got to wear a mask till you can get vaccinated, but then you got to wear a mask after you're vaccinated. Kids who have most 99% don't even know that they've had it. If they have had it, they got to wear masks outside. Before outside, we told we were told in the sun it couldn't. I mean, it's just come on. It's just never going to go away. Variants, booster shots, it's all gonna continue. So where does that leave us? That's the question. Where does that leave us as a society? Do we value our freedom? And if we do, how do we get it back? Where do we get it back? You have so very few governors who are willing to be Ron DeSantis. So I don't think everyone's moving to Florida. So what do we do? What do the rest of us do? I hope it's not that we're just going to give up on valuing our freedom. I hope that's not the answer. All right, live Studio 6B. News with Paul. Do some crazy towns, too, and we get back right after this. America's Voice presents War Room with Steve Bannon. Yeah, I want to talk about the mentality. This is the reason we're in the situation that we're in. The reason we're in the situation we're in is because of the compromise, the money of the Chinese Communist Party flowing through our capital markets, flowing through our cultural institutions, flowing through our corporations, and eventually buying political coverage in the Uniparty here in Washington, D.C. Don't miss War Room every weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Live from Studio 6B, 17 past the hour. Let's do crazy town here, G. We've got three to do here. We've got three segments left in the show only. Got to go so fast. Um, let's do as uh, the press corps. Now, you know, if you remember, this is where I was on day two of this administration. Is the press corps getting sick of Saki's non-answers? Uh, crazy town, roll it. Uh, even before uh, this uh, global ch- the, this meeting today, I should say, um, uh, uh, just check me if I don't get to all of your questions. I will try to do my best. Uh, of uh, of the best path forward is to work to the pass to uh, pass the George Floyd uh, Policing Act. Uh, but I would say that uh, the president uh, was um, uh, addressing racial equity, uh, and uh, he is certainly will use. Uh, uh, the power of his presidency to move it forward. I think what is, and uh, I, I should say more specifically, we've been in touch with um, a range of groups, the Leadership con- congr- uh, Conference, I'm sorry. But what is your message to some congressional Republicans who have expressed skepticism about whether the White House is authentically interested in negotiating here, given how things played out with the COVID relief bill? Well, I would say that 
the president, you don't use the president of the United States' time multiple times over, including two infrastructure meetings, bipartisan infrastructure meetings he's already had, or the meeting today, if he did not want to authentically hear from the members attending about their ideas. You mentioned Roberta Jacobson. Mm -hmm. Why did she make the decision to step down from that yeah. post? It was always uh, Ambassador Jacobson's intention to stay for about 100 days, uh, and she uh, is retiring, as she deserves, <laughs> uh, as she has certainly uh, done her, done, paid her time to do, and so that was always her intention to stay for a period of time. Well, it's, it was done by a collection of smart and brilliant people on our economic team that you probably wouldn't necessarily identify on the street, but sounds like a good profile piece to me. Um, Senator John Cornyn called Joe Biden's tweets unimaginably conventional and said that his comments were largely scripted and questioned whether he was really in charge. Does the White House have any reaction? Good question. Well, I can confirm that the President of the United States does not spend his time tweeting conspiracy theories. He spends his oh. time working on behalf of the American people. Well, first let me say we are um, concerned, as I've said uh, in the past, but we've been, of course, watching it over the course of the weekend about um, the increasing aggression of uh, Russian uh, forces on the border. Do we have to gather? It's 12.45. I think it's 1 o'clock. 12.55. Okay, 10 more minutes. Alex is so responsible for oh, keeping yay. track. She is. She is. Well, look, I think, one, we recognize we're not always the best messengers. We certainly know that <laughs> President Biden and Vice President Harris may not be the right voices in a range of communities across the country. There is still ongoing you research think? on what is most effective and how to prevent distribution and it, uh, the, the, I'm sorry, the pandemic traveling further. So it's a pandemic. We don't think it's easy. We know it's difficult. It's required a lot of sacrifice. But at the same time, we're trying to provide accurate public health-based guidance on what people can do once they have uh, taken the vaccine. Mm. You can have dinner inside together. Mm. Well, I think I answered a version of this question earlier, but let me try again. Uh, but is there concern that the actions of an ally are derailing? I think I've answered your question. Did you have another one? I didn't think it was an answer. Okay, I'm sorry okay. to hear that. I, I've answered it a couple times. Is there a worry, though, about sort of this increased militarization given... I didn't call it that. Those are your words, not mine. Um, we are we, we worked with them to increase law enforcement at the border to deter uh, the travel, which is a treacherous journey which where many lose their lives. I think we have to gather. Thank, thank you so much. Okay. Questions on the border all of a sudden. The Biden administration has now made some changes, and Jen Psaki's a little defensive about them. A little more um, beefed up security, a little more calls for these other countries to do a little more on their side. Sounds like, whoa, I don't know. Maybe kind of what we had before. Oh, maybe not. Couldn't say, dare say that. Wow, she's pretty defensive there. Yeah, snarky. I still think we should buy all that waterfront property. This is so much great property. It's, it'll be cheaper for the American people just to buy all of Mexico. What it's costing to put up walls and, and, you know, and give everybody 15 grand in New York State. Let's just buy it. You could have your own state, Paul. Paul Tavart Bayata. <laughs> I, I saw somebody come up with the idea of why doesn't Biden just send the. Um, just send the money to them in their home countries, and then they can mail in the ballots from there. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it achieves the same, it achieves the same um, end goal, which is find new voters. I guess Tucker Carlson's getting attacked for pointing that out, by the way. I, I didn't see this on Friday night. He basically made the point that the Democrats are trying to change the uh, blur the line between citizen and non-citizen. 
Oh, yeah, they've been at that for a long time now. <laughs> I'm thinking, where, well, okay, where's what, what's the party's what are these what's what's the wrong part? Well, wh- why on the fire for that? Where did he go? Off, yeah, where did he go off the rails? So what's this thing with Tuck now? He does the daytime show or something. I don't know. Yeah, he was attacked for his night show, I believe. But I, I from what I could tell, that's all he talked about. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what part of that's not true? <laughs> I mean, is that com- is that controversial to say at this point? No. That they don't? No. Is that the I mean, no. ask yourself this. <laughs> if, if there was a way to prove that the people coming over the border illegally were voting Republican, how fast do you think the wall would be built? Just answer that honestly. That's all you need to ask. Just honestly answer that to yourself, and then you have your answer. I just think there should be, there's got to be a grassroots movement down there just completely indoctrinating everybody onto the Republican side by, by just charity and goodwill and, and nice clothes. Come on. Come on. Adopt an immigrant. Come on. Make him a Republican. Let's see how quick they right. shut down that border. Oh, I mean, it would... Just answer that honestly to yourself. If you can honestly answer that question and say, no, they, would, they wouldn't do anything, well, I think you're wrong. Would you guys uh, like to hear if uh, this falls into the what could go wrong with this yeah. category? The Pentagon is developing microchip vaccine that will continuously detect virus in body. Yeah, I saw this. The, the Pentagon is developing a coronavirus vaccine that will protect recipients from all variants and, and implantable, <laughs> implantable microchip technology that can detect throughout the whole body. And uh, the Army infectious disease physicians uh, leading the Pentagon's defense advanced research projects, pandemic response, introduced the technology in hopes it will combat future pandemics. And they introduced this on, of course, 60 Minutes, the ultimate propaganda show on Sunday. And it showed green tissue like gel that could be added to future vaccines as the technology's aspect for detecting the virus before people come sick. You put it under your skin and it tells you uh, that the chemical reactions going on inside your body, it signal means that you're going to have symptoms tomorrow. It's like a check engine light. How how nice is that? Uh-huh. Then individuals could draw their own blood, test themselves, and ultimately receiving results within three to five minutes. The goal would be to essentially wipe out virus by stopping the infection in its tracks each time. And who have I been talking about? One day we're going to have this nanotechnology in our bloodstream, DARPA. That's right. DARPA has developed a filter that can remove the virus from the patient's blood using a dialysis machine. It was already approved by the FDA and has been used on over 300. I say guinea pigs. The article says patients. So where's the problem, Paul? (laughs) What could go wrong? (laughs) Where's Where's the point that you disagree? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, baby, put the chip in. Let's go. <laughs> Give me the chip. Could be like that movie uh, Minority Report, where you, you're walking past the end, the billboard changes directly for you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
Real America's Voice presents Just the News AM with Sophie Mann. Biden also introduced a number of other regulations that will affect gun owners across the country, but emphasized that he does not see his actions as a threat to the Second Amendment. Were the case, if what he said was true, he wouldn't need to be doing executive orders. He wouldn't need to be forcing this down the American public's throat. Don't miss Just the News AM every weekday at 9 a.m. Eastern. All right, live from Studio 6B couple more crazy towns before we do the news here with Paul. We'll do one more now. Uh, Joe Biden, the president, was, I guess, in front of the cameras today, and he's, uh, I guess, going to restock the wafer supply. Crazy town. Roll it, G. Okay, let's see what this is. We're building charging stations to support America's electric future, electric vehicle future, and investing in that infrastructure. And uh, we're investing in a more resilient grid. Investing, I understand you discussed that a little bit earlier today. Investing as well in, uh, it's gonna make America research and development a great engine again. <laughs> For too long as a nation, we haven't been making the big, bold investments we need to outpace our global competitors. And put it bluntly, we have to step up our game. And I'm not ready uh, to give up. I'm ready to work with all of you with the Congress, both parties, to pass the American Jobs Plan, not continue to slide in terms of our investment. We're ranked like number 25th in the world now. That's not America. Chips like the one I have here, these chips, these wafers, are batteries, <laughs> broadband, it's all infrastructure. This is infrastructure. So look, we need to build the infrastructure of today, not repair the one of yesterday. And the plan I propose is going to create millions of jobs, rebuild America. Hang up just a second. Wait, wait, wait. Wait a second. What I'm going to do, I'm going to see you all again in a few minutes. I have just took taken the time, reason I was a few minutes late, to listen to the press conference. I'm preparing a statement, and I'll be happy to talk with you at the next meeting. Okay? Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Oh, yeah. Thank you, sir. Oh. If Trump said that, they'd be screaming at him. Whoa, whoa. whoa. If, if, <laughs> <laughs> He's mansplaining if, now. Uh, if President that Trump... That was toxic masculinity there. ...ever said, whoa, 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 to all of them, like, hey, shh, Zip it. Hold your horses. It, it, I mean, it would lead every news cycle for 24 hours. No doubt. Just want to point out that that wafer that he was holding, which the country's in short supply of, which, you know, is in everything from our phones to, you know, everything else that we use. They're pretty delicate. And he just slammed that thing on the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he probably thought he'd like hold it to the sun and try to reflect the, the sun into the uh, who knows what. <laughs> oh, my God. So here, so here's the interesting part. Since he says this is infrastructure, so Ron Klain, we'll do these back to back since it makes sense now that he led into that. Ron Klain used to be Joe, Bi well, he is now. He's Biden's chief of staff, and he used to be his chief of staff back when he was vice president. Ron Klain is the person, if you remember, that was on that panel on C-SPAN talking about H1N1 and viruses that said. Well, 
you know, um, we were had a bunch of good people working on H1N1, and um, it's just a good thing that this virus wasn't that contagious or we would have killed everybody because we had no idea what we were doing. We screwed it up so bad, basically what he said. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm really not that far off. He said, good people, we couldn't have screwed it up anymore. And, and it's just thankful that this wasn't... Um, it didn't have more kind of like what we, what we got with COVID. It wasn't as contagious. It couldn't spread. It wasn't as deadly because if it was, it would have been, the numbers would have been astronomical. So, so that's Ron Klain. He's probably the closest person to Biden that's in the administration. Some people say that he's calling most of the shots. Um, so here's a little crazy town on infrastructure. So this is Jennifer Granholm, who used to be a regular on CNN. And, um, so this is her version of infrastructure now that they're in power and Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain's version of what infrastructure is very clear cut when Trump was in office and he was proposing infrastructure. So let's see how the two, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, their, their opinions on what infrastructure is hasn't changed at all. That couldn't be possible. So uh, crazy town infrastructure here, G roll it. The president is not being fully truthful about what what infrastructure actually is. Yeah, this is, I mean, the, the, what is infrastructure? Fix our roads, fix our bridges, fix our water systems, the kind of things most Americans think about when they say we need more infrastructure spending. Historically, it's been what makes the economy move? What is it that we all need to ensure that we as citizens are productive? <laughs> fix our roads, fix our bridges, fix our water systems. We need transmission. You need lights in people's homes and offices. Fix our roads, fix our bridges. You need to make sure that people can actually go to work if they have an aging parent or a child. <laughs> fix our roads, fix our bridges. The infrastructure evolves to meet the American people's aspirations. Fix our roads, fix our bridges, <laughs> fix our water systems, the kind of things most Americans think about when they say we need more infrastructure spending. And it's not static. What we really need is investments in the kinds of things in our infrastructure that are falling apart. We don't want to use past definitions of infrastructure. Fix our roads, fix our bridges. <laughs> but anyway, bottom line is we have to move forward. We have to look forward and we have to win the future. And this is the biggest investment in the future seems- of America that we have seen in our lifetime. Good God. Yes, there you go. The future starts now, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, don't worry about the past. Ugh. Everything starts now with the new way to do everything. So forget Ron Klain. I mean, that's Ron Klain when, when President Trump was putting up infrastructure. They wanted to make sure that he knew that here's what falls under infrastructure. So don't try to do anything outside of fix our roads, fix our bridges, fix the things we need to do that are crumbling. But now, oh, it's just a little bit different. If you got you got to do this, it's got to be that. Good God! And of course, it's all now because we have to pan the the now to sell you the future, which is what the Democrats always do. Everything starts as of now. The future starts now. Forget anything in the past when it comes to anything. How the country was found. Forget it all. Everything starts from here. So there is no, nothing to look back at. No history. 
So, Oof. all right, let's do some news with uh, Paul Nolan. What's going on, well, Mr. Nolan? Tragedy down in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, high school shooting reports. Oh, um, no. One person was killed and an officer was wounded during shooting Monday at a high school in Tennessee. The incident occurred about 4 p.m. Eastern time at Austin East Magnet High School in Knoxville. Police arriving at the scene in response to a report of an armed person and Shots were fired when officers approached him, according to NBC News. The shooter was killed and an officer sustained a non-life-threatening injury. Um, authorities said the second person was detained to further investigations. And, uh, however, none of the involved has been identified so far. Oh. But, uh, you know, Bob Thomas, Knoxville Schools in superintendent, tweeted the, as the incident was occurring, Knox Schools is responding to a shooting that occurred this afternoon at Austin East Magnet High School. We're gathering information about this tragic situation and we will provide information as it becomes po as soon as possible. So we'll see what's going to go on there. Of course, we'll probably see, uh, you know. Oh, that's terrible. So well, yeah. the shooter was killed. Unfortunately, it looks like it was a high school boy. So we'll see. Um, I don't know. In lighter news, uh, liberals lash out at actor Sylvester Stallone over a report that he joined Trump's Mar-a-Lago. Iconic action movie star Sylvester Stallone reportedly joined Mar-a-Lago private club owned by the former president, Donald Trump. And liberals wasted no time lashing out on social media. Page six reported that a source at the club told him Stallone had joined and was seen taking photos with others at the club. The 74 year old actor just purchased a luxury thirty five million dollar home in Palm Beach where the club is located in December. And uh, the critics uh, took to Twitter to mock and ridicule the actor. And, boy, some of these comments are, ridiculous. Are, are pretty brutal. Should I mean, I? that is so That's crazy, right? I mean, to think that you on. couldn't join a club because the guy who owns it, you, you have, even if you disagree with everything politically he stands for is against what you stand for. You're telling me you couldn't, he can't join the club to go there and play golf or do whatever, go up dinner? I mean, that's where we're at. Yep. Yeah. That's where we're at. And, but the good news is it does seem like more and more people are just completely re rejecting this thought police nonsense. It just looks like th there's a counterculture here that's just saying, beat it. Don't want to hear it. Don't care. Beat it. You know, so, um, but there's some really tasteless comments from the usually tasteless left. Uh, I can read some of them, but maybe we don't want to get kicked yeah, off no, social probably media. Not. Probably not, because okay. it's just the whole I, the whole Ridiculous. idea of that is just stupid. <laughs> this is the only way to put it's it. Unbelievable! It's, it's simply stupid. I mean, because the, the guy uh, wants to join a great club. I mean, they they seem to all these people seem to forget. This is how far we've come. <laughs> Before he ran for president, he was. I mean, he was a champion of the he left. Was, everybody, everybody wanted to, some part of him. He was the New York billionaire real estate mogul. He was in music videos. He had his TV, Hollywood, movies. He had his hand in everything, and he played ball with everybody. So all these guys were all of his friends before. All of them calling him on the phone, looking for favors, trying to raise money. All of this. So the fact that Stallone won't be a phony and act like he's not friends when I'm sure they've, I mean, I don't know this. I'm just purely guessing that they've probably been friends. And the fact that he joins the club 
doesn't even mean he's going to even see him. This is what he get. This is the kind of uh, anger and outlash you get from the left. It's just the tolerant left. Yes. As we the very, say. very tolerant left. Yes. The reasonable and always open to discussion left. Yeah. All right. Anything else in news, Paul? Yeah. Um, the uh, Zuckerberg Group gave Detroit $7.4 million to dramatically expand vote in City Key to Biden win. That's according to Just the News. This is John Solomon is reporting on this one. The Center for Tech and Civil Life the Voter Adv- Advocacy Group funded by Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, donated $7.4 million last year to Detroit to, among other things, dramatically expand strategic voter education and outreach in the blue city to key Joe Biden's 2020 election win, according to memos obtained by Just the News. I mean, this is Phil Klein, who has been on this show, I tell you, deserves... He was on this so early on. Mm -hmm. I can remember watching him on Real America's Voice. I don't remember which show it was. It may have been Bannon in the morning. And he was talking about Zuckerberg money and to watch out for it months, maybe six months even. And I didn't even know who Phil Klein was at the time. I didn't know who the Amistad Project really even was. I didn't follow anything that was. He was on this so early, this Zuckerberg money, and to watch out for it. And drop boxes and everything else. Man, I tell you, he was, he deserves, he saw this coming from a mile away. All right, more sports, a little more news on a Monday night. Real America's Voice live from Studio 6B. We're back right after this. America's Voice presents News On with Miranda Kahn. Voters oppose legislative proposals to relax election security rules. George Washington never needed a photo ID to vote. Thomas Jefferson and no one else who signed the Declaration of Independence needed a voter ID to be able to vote. Why is that considered such a bad thing to do? Wouldn't that instill election integrity? Don't miss News On every weekday at noon Eastern. All right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B. Time to do more sports. And here with that, find him on Twitter, at Slick Rick Sports, is Slick Rick Sports himself, Rick Amorati. What's coming on sports, pal? All right, Big D. Well, we're going to wrapping up some of the scores in uh, Major League Baseball, hockey, and basketball. Right now, Braves 3-1 to one over the Marlins in the eighth. Cubs lead the Brewers 6-1 to one also in the eighth. Nats over the Cardinals 3-1 to one in the sixth. White Sox leading the Indians three to two in the fifth. Tigers Astros up. Tigers up four nothing in the sixth. Angels over the Royals four nothing in the fifth. Padres six to one over the Pirates in the eighth. The Yankees right now lead the Blue Jays three to one bottom of the eighth. And the Rays over the Rangers one nothing. Um, that's in the ninth inning. NHL action finals. Canadians over the Leafs four to two. Uh, and the Senators over the Jets also 4-2. to two. Blue, Blue Jackets lead the Blackhawks right now. That's actually it's tied 3-3 and uh, late third. Red Wings are up 2 nothing in the, in the third over the Hurricanes. And um, Avalanche and Coyotes tied nothing nothing in the first. Golden Knights at the Kings and Ducks at the Sharks. 10 and 10-30 respectively on the West Coast. In the Garden tonight, 
Good game. Knicks over the Lakers, 94-87. Julius Randle leads all scorers with 26. And um, down in Dallas, the Sixers right now lead in the American Airlines Center. The Mavs, 89-72. Joel Embiid with 36 points. Spurs over the Magic, 79-56 third. Wizards right now trail the Jazz, 44-35 in the second. Bulls over the Grizzlies, 31-25 second. Pelicans, 38-19 over the Kings in the second. And let's go to the rodeo. Our other part of the rodeo book ended this weekend. Actually, this one's going on for two weeks, this rodeo. This is the San Angelo Rodeo in San Angelo, Texas. The San Angelo Coliseum. This is round one and two action. Bareback, Cole Franks on Hot Flash, 88. Saddlebronk, Court Shear on the Darkness with an 83 and a half. And um, on the uh, steer wrestling, Brandon Harrison in 3.5 seconds. Team roping, Kyle Dennison and Brady Norman in three and a half seconds. Tie down is good old Tough Cooper, 7.3 seconds. And on the battle racing, Megan Champion in 14.28 seconds. And that's a very good score, low 14s for battle racing. NASCAR news, Martin Truex Jr. outlast teammate Denny Hamlin to win again at Martinsville. This is an AP report. Truex won a stirring, laps-long Duel for the lead with teammate Denny Hamlin in the rain-delayed NASCAR Cup Series Sunday night, winning for the third time in the past four stops at the half, little over half-mile oval, the boat oldest and shortest in the series. Truex, who nudged Hamlin repeatedly in the turns and tried to get uh, to his inside on the straightaways without success, finally made the pass with 15 laps to go, ducking underneath Hamlin. Coming out of the second turn, he sailed off to victory without another challenge as Hamlin and Chase Elliott battled the rest of the way for second. Truex became the first repeat winner in NASCAR's top series this season. The race was rained out after 42 laps Saturday night and was completed as the second part of a doubleheader that started with the completion of the rain-delayed Xfinity series from Friday night. So, NASCAR action down in Virginia. And Patriots' Julian Edelman announces his retirement. It's been the best 12 years of my life, he said. Edelman, a three-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots, posted an emotional video of himself sitting at Gillette Stadium. This is from Daniel Canova of Fox News. Nothing in my career had ever come easy and no surprise this isn't going to be easy either Edelman said always said I'll go until the wheels come off and they have finally fallen off due to an injury last year I'll be making my official announcement of my retirement from football this is a hard decision but the right decision for me and my family I'm honored and so proud to be retiring a patriot Edelman continued to thank Robert Kraft of course Bill Belichick I didn't hear him mention Tom Brady I was listening for Brady I didn't hear him mention that I watched the whole thing they posted on uh, on Twitter Big D where but, do you think um, Tampa Bay is going to put him in their offense next year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to come out of retirement, eh? Just like Evander Holyfield. Um, Edelman was a Super Bowl MVP. He finished his career with 620 receptions for 68 68- 6,822 yards and where it mattered most was the postseason for Mr. Edelman. He had 118 postseason receptions and 1,442 in yards, which are both second most in the Super Bowl era behind only the legendary Jerry Rice. And that's saying something. There's talk about whether or not he's a Hall of Famer that's kind of on the fence there, but uh, boy, he played on some great teams and was a big part of it. We wish you well. well, What's what's the answer to my question? Where do you think Tampa Bay puts him next year? Yeah, they'll put him in the slot big D right Absolutely. Right next to Gronk. There's no way he's done. He's looking at what – I mean, come on. He's 34. 34 years old. Okay, and he's looking at what New England's doing, re-signing Cam Newton and going, no. how do I get out of here? Uh, didn't, uh, didn't I just see the uh, Bucks sign Giovanni Bernard too? 
I didn't see that. No, okay. I didn't see that. Yep. Do you do you think there's any chance he lines up in Tampa Bay next? Yeah, I think there's a chance. Okay. First thing I thought. Yeah. Absolutely. The first thing I thought he'll sign for the minimum. And, Absolutely. And just, well, Give me the ring, baby. Speaking of a guy coming back, Big D, here's a guy that's 58 years old. Evander Holyfield returning to the ring for exhibition versus, get this one, Kevin McBride on June 5th. You might remember Kevin McBride. That was Tyson's last opponent, you know, some 20 years ago when he quit boxing. Uh, but Evander Holyfield will fight Kevin McBride in exhibition on the 5th. Trillers, fight clubs, Peter Kahn confirmed to, uh, on ESPN, uh, to ESPN's Mark Kreigel earlier yesterday. I uh, guess Holyf- uh, Harry Oates wasn't available. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see what happens on that one. But, uh, hey, he's coming back, and yeah, they'll be fighting. Uh, it'll be a good fight. You know, so far, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. is talking about a comeback. Eric Morales, Marco Antonio Barrera. You know, it's the old it's the old geezer's hit parade. We'll see what happens. And uh, just one more big D. I know you weren't too crazy about this, but 2021 WWE WrestleMania 37. Roman Reigns, Edge, Daniel Bryan deliver all-time main event to a packed both nights. Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. I mean, packed, 50-plus thousand people in, in Florida all getting together for WrestleMania. A couple of good fights, uh, you know, for, this, for a couple of good matches, I should say. For the second consecutive night, WrestleMania 37 received the main event worthy of the biggest stage in professional, professional wrestling in front of a sold-out crowd inside Raymond James Stadium. Roman Reigns put his Universal Championship on the line against the edge and Daniel Bryan in the final match of the two-night extravaganza. Reigns, Edge, and Bryan delivered a thrilling match with all three men coming within inches of winning the championship and a triple threat match. Jay Esau found his way into the match on several occasions, but paid the price. Reigns ended up with the upper hand for a stunning finish to the show. Also on the card was The Fiend. The Fiend won in a weird bout involving The Fiend coming out of a giant size jack-in-the-box and uh, to start the bout. Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler uh, defeated Natalia and Tamina via submission. Kevin Owens defeated Sami Zayn. So, uh, hey, good match. WWE back in action, and that's a wrap in sports. Big D. There was no bowling or anything else to report on come on ww we got some wwe fans here on uh, lfs 6b all right very good very good come on paul (laughs) the hulk is long gone no i want to know why we can't show clips from the rodeo because i want to see the barrel racing uh, I want to see. I want to see them rope the the the, the doggy. Whatever it is. It's you can incredible. go home and like, watch it on YouTube. Thing ever. I watch the clips just so I'm I'm, I'm in tune. G- it's good. Gio just told you, Paul, that you could go home and watch it on YouTube. <laughs> just I don't know. Gio feeling we're for the audience. We're not trying to please me. Well, Gio. It's it's always the I'm sure the audience is seen way think more about than the audience have. first. That's what it's about. You're always hurting them with these Jen Saki things. No, you got to think about being nice to them. Well, you or have to maybe start thinking about licensing. <laughs> There's no licensing on that stuff. Oh no! There's more on that oh, than yeah. almost anything. Really? You, you ever think they these? want it out there? Are you implying that Paul doesn't know about television because he knows a lot? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I want to get to this Epoch Times thing. We got to circle back tomorrow. on that. <laughs> Well, we'll get to it tomorrow night, Paul. Man. First thing we'll do. Chinese Communist Party burnt their, attacked their building again. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Paul will start the show with his report and video of hammers smashing printers. No, I can't show the video of that. All right, we'll see you tomorrow night. Back with you at 22.